Praise the Lord. Glory. And um, good to have all of you here. I um, started a few Sundays ago, and I, I actually went on um, the burnt offering, starting out of the book of Leviticus and looking at <clears throat> that uh, book and trying to find, as it were, um, a type, uh, those offerings being a type of Christ. I've been teaching um, <clears throat> somewhat. We uh, taught on some of the um, uh, <clears throat> um, some of the uh, emotions last uh, two nights ago, Monday night, but we've been talking about um, <clears throat> the uh, uh, burnt offering, and we kind of went more in detail, and um, <clears throat> it's not showing up here on my iPad. I don't know why, but uh, the slides, so... We are growing apostolic legacy. Uh, so we're going to talk tonight about the second chapter. It's not, like I said, clicking in here. Uh, but anyway, we'll try to figure out how we can get it to reconnect. Uh, All right. I don't know why it's not allowing me to uh, use the remote, but it's all right. Here we are. The meat offering in the King James Version. It calls it the meat offering, and it is actually the meal offering, and it is um, not. Um, it, it is not a. Um, meat offering at all, like we think of meat. We think of uh, meat and potatoes, and this was basically a grain offering. And it, uh, I don't know if you can see uh, the, the, the picture to the left was uh, when they were killing the burnt offering and how you had to skin it. But if you will notice kind of on the right, there are all these pans and all of these uh, bowls and all of these uh, th instruments that were near the brazen altar that, and there were some that had hooks on them and some that uh, had various uh, items to them. And basically they were there to uh, do the peace off, I mean the meal offering or <clears throat> which was one of five offerings that we will see covered in the book of Leviticus. And believe it or not, um, the first uh, two uh, we've spent uh, a, a while on, or the first one we spent a while on, the burnt offering. The second one, the meal offering, we can, we'll talk about tonight, and I hope maybe we'll get through with the meal offering. But um, the third biggie is the peace offering. And why those three I call are biggies is because they were voluntary. They were gifts that were done free will. They were done willingly. They were not done uh, because you had to. The sin offering and the trespass offering were somewhat different. 
and that is that they were required when you sinned or when you trespassed. And uh, a sin was basically uh, blatantly knowing um, that you, uh, what you had done, uh, a trespass was something that uh, potentially uh, the sin was more judgment for sin and the uh, trespass was more atonement for forgiveness. So if you have trespassed against me, those were not voluntary, but the burnt offering and the meal offering and the peace offering were all done on uh, a voluntary basis. And it was to have fellowship with God. And I know we come into the house of the Lord. We're here tonight and we, uh, you may have given in the offering. You may have not. Uh, you may have given Sunday or another time, but uh, the, it's not. You may have offered a praise. You may have sung. You may have clapped your hands. You may have raised your hands. You may have prayed. You may have given an offering of your worship and uh, voluntarily. Nobody made you. And nobody really can make you. You know, uh, I guess um, we could um, um, say that, you know, well, if you come in, you're going to buy a ticket. Or uh, we're going to check your bank account, how much you got left. And we're going to deduct so much money. But obviously, we don't do that. And, uh, you know, not many people would come if we did that, uh, if you set up dues like that. But uh, uh, the fact is, it's voluntary. And it was done uh, as a burnt offering. It was done as a meal offering. And it was done as a peace offering. And all of these are covered in the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus. The first chapter is all about the burnt offering. And the second chapter is all about the meal offering. And of course, we know uh, the next chapter will be about the peace offering, and uh, the peace offering was actually laid on top of the burnt offering. So you offered a burnt offering, then you made a peace offering. And then uh, there was, of course, uh, uh, the, uh, the next chapter is the sin offering, and then the trespass offering uh, is also later discussed. So uh, the sin offering, in when you gave it, uh, you always did that sin offering first. You gave a sin offering before you gave a uh, burnt offering or before you gave uh, a peace offering. And uh, before you, you had an order, you gave a sin offering, then you gave a burnt offering, and then you gave a peace offering. Uh, you may, in between there, also give a meal offering. Uh, so that was an order, and we'll talk about some of that later, but uh, the point is that if you think in terms of who we are, you know, it's uh, not enough to come in and say, oh, I love you, Jesus, and you haven't said, Lord, hey, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. Cleanse my sin. And you say, well, why do you pray that way? I pray that way uh, every day. Lord, wash me, cleanse me. If I've done anything, you say, well, why would you do that? Are you afraid? No, I want to I make sure 
Lord, if there's something I need, I didn't know, I should know, I didn't do, I should have done, I want to know about it. And uh, so I want to give that sin offering first. So that's uh, pretty easy uh, to understand. Now, when you look uh, in Psalms, the 40th chapter, and it's also quoted in the Hebrews, the 10th chapter, I am not advocating that you go buy uh, cows or sheep or turtle doves or pigeons and that we're going to start giving offerings uh, that are blood offerings, animal offerings. But all of those are a type. And we know David said, sacrifice and offering you don't desire. Uh, Burnt offering and sin offering you haven't required. And in the New Testament, it says the same thing, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Uh, Therefore, he that cometh into world saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, that thou hast no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, I am come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not. Neither hast thou pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I am come to do thy will. Repeats it almost identical. O God, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. So what he is saying is that Jesus fulfilled all of these offerings by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So there is no need for you to have another offering. There is no need for me to say, well, you know, I've got to do this to pay for my sins. I've got to, you can't pay for your sins. I can't pay for my sins. Only the blood of Jesus will cover my sins. And so I have seen people feel like they had to do something in order to gain, uh, you know, favor with God. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Now, what does that mean? Then why do these offerings apply to us today? Well, offerings were for the food for the Lord. Believe it or not, they burn up. Many of them were burned completely. The burnt offering burn completely. Peace offering, completely. Sin offering, completely. And trespass offering, completely. Nobody got any. Now the meal offering and parts of the peace offering, at times they could get. uh, The priest could get some and the one who brought it could have some. 
But there was always during that food for God. Now that's immediately you say, Pastor, you know God didn't come down and eat that. That was not God sitting at the table. And yet, I will tell you, the Old Testament uses that language about food for the Lord. So the question then for us is, what kind of meal are we serving the Lord? How do we serve the Lord? You know, and, and the Bible is, is very clear that they want, he, he wants a particular kind of meal being served. Now you say, what are you talking about? All right, anybody go to IHOP or to Texas Roadhouse or wherever. You sit down and the waitress comes up or the waiter. Okay, what do you want? Come on, hurry up. My Lord, have you had the menu for 10 minutes? How are you feeling right now? Yeah, well, you're not going to get much of a tip. I know, you're, you're thinking that already. They come back and they throw your food down on the table and say, it's all right, and they've got a bowl of soup and their thumb is sticking in it. Huh? Mm. That pie could use a little salt. How are you feeling about this right now? You were supposed to serve me. It doesn't even have to be food for me. I, I'll just be honest with you. I've, I've gone into a store one time, more than once, and say, hey, do you have a X-large shirt? This, this kind. And at that person looks at me and goes, no, we don't have any merchandise in the back. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. I have to really pray to keep my Holy Ghost in check. Because I'm wanting them just to go back there, and if they go back there and get on phone and do Instagram for two minutes, I don't care, but just come and make it look like you thought about looking for me. Huh? I just get a little torqued when they just, no, 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 find something else. And I understand. That's my American upbringing. I remember many years ago, I was in France, and they close their shops at noon, and they don't open until 2 o'clock. It's called midi, midday. We call it midday. They would call it midi. Midi. And it, when noon hits, they shut up the shop. I was in line. I had items in my hands. And the clock went off in the store. The lady pulls out a thing, puts it over the register, and goes back to get her lunch going like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm right here. I, I can buy this. I just want these three little I midi, midi. 
unity. Of course, most, it's not a real consumer-oriented society. They are a lot more socialistic than we are. You can't fire them, and they know that. And so for them, you shut down. I need my two hours for lunch. And I'm like, this is blowing my mind. I'm Anyway, didn't matter. I didn't get to buy the stuff. So it was all right. I just left it right there. Came back at 2 o'clock and uh, decided I didn't want to do it again. So I just left it all there. <clears throat> so if you were expecting a present from France, you didn't get it. The point is, how am I serving? What am I serving the Lord? So when you look at Leviticus, the third chapter, the 11th verse, the 16th verse, I could have put a lot more references. I put a couple here in Leviticus 3 and then, uh, and then chapter 21. Notice that it said, It is the food of the offering made by fire unto the Lord. In verse 16, the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savor. All the fat is the Lord. The 21st chapter, it, the, uh, the offerings of the Lord made by fire, bread of their God they do offer. And, and they sanctify it. Offer the bread of thy God, and it shall be holy unto thee. For I, the Lord, sanctify you. Numbers, the 28th chapter, 2nd verse. Command the children of Israel, say unto them, My offering and my bread for my sacrifices made by fire from a sweet savor unto me. So the Lord took all of that very personal. It was the way you offered it, what you offered, how you offered it. And so, you know, that's why many years ago, you know, my folks, even when I went away to college, they, they had a rule that on Saturday night, you come in and you go to bed by midnight because on Sunday morning, you don't offer God your tired, wore out self. Here I was, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to college. I can do what I want and stay out. And oh no, not and give it to God. I understand if you work all night, you have to be up and you come. But you know, it was bringing God your best. Bringing God the best that you have. I don't want to offer God something less than my best. And Jesus, of course, carried this vein of talking about consuming when he said, as the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. So when we talk about these offerings, it is that sense of how and what are we offering to the Lord. And, and it's interesting when you get into the New Testament and you look at the Greek word for truth, uh, not the capital letter truth, not capital T-R-U-T-H, but the, the word for truth, it's uh, actually uh, aletheia, uh, aletheia, which means truth or certainty or reality 
or realness. And the only way you can get to this reality is to consume more of Jesus so that you can serve God a Christ-like meal. Now, what do you mean by that? He said, if you eat me, then you shall be like me. And, and what is it that the Holy Ghost is wanting to do to us is to bring us into a spirit of truth. Now, we're living in a very untruthful world. Amen? I mean, everybody spins, they say. And uh, I was talking to a minister today, and he was just telling me about some situations in their church and what was going on. And he was like, they're just not in reality. They're not in reality. And, you know, they can make it look like you're flying or you're having a good time. And I can put it on social media that, oh, it's lovely. And look at all we're doing and all of this. And it's not real. And that's what we're living in, a very unreal society. And yet the word little, T-R-U-T-H, means reality or certainty. For when the Bible says in John 1 and 17, you remember John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it's talking about the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 17 says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by whom? Jesus Christ. So if you put the word reality there, grace and reality came by Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Lord is interested in the real you and where you are really. You, you see what I'm saying? To be honest, even with giving the sacrifices, the meal offering, the burnt offering. I can come do that and I can do it and I'm gone and it doesn't deal with the real me. I can come to church. Whoo! Yeah! Amen, preacher! I can run the aisles. I can sing. I can shout. I can dance and it be totally what? Hiding, fake, not real. Huh? Anybody know what I'm saying? But the Holy Ghost, but the Lord is wanting to get down to the real you. Where you really are and where you, what you're really thinking, what you're really doing. That's why he said the law was given by Moses but grace and truth. And that, uh, you know, I understand that. People can say, okay, well, uh, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I don't do? And I'll be saved and I'll be okay and I'll be... It's more than the outturn, external, outside rules, folks. If you're worried about what you've got to do, you've already missed it. You've got to get real before God. That's why... Even at the well, Jesus looked at the woman and he said, some say worship in that mountain, some say in Jerusalem. I'm telling you, true worshipers are going to worship in spirit 
and in reality. <laughs> That's the word he used. Not capital T truth. Not like baptism in Jesus' name, then filling the whole. That's the truth. But in reality, John the 14th chapter, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, the reality, the certainty. No man can come to the Father except by me. I will pray the Father and he shall send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of, what is it? Truth, reality, certainty. That's why sometimes folks are a little bit worried about the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost, if it's doing its job, it starts confronting all of your fakeness. And you either have to quench it or get real. You see, that's why... He said that the world can't receive because it receives him not. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. St. John 17, 17, sanctify them with thy truth or thy reality. Thy word is truth. So the only way to stay into reality in this world that is full of, of um, magical stuff and all this other and, and fake you out and what they call spin is to stay full of the Spirit of the Lord. So, uh, the meal offering, Leviticus, the second chapter, and you can read it. Basically, it was the, one of the things that it says was fine flour. Everybody say fine flour. Notice that King James says meat, but it's really, there is no meat in this offering whatsoever. It is fine flour. Then they shall pour oil. Everybody say oil. Then you'll put frankincense. Everybody say frankincense. And then they burn it. It's a sweet smelling savor. You keep reading on down in Leviticus and they burn it with fire. All right. And this fire mingled with oil, unleavened wafers mingle, anointed with oils. Notice that it says unleavened. Everybody say unleavened. And then notice it goes on down to say that you shall burn no leaven. Everybody say no leaven. No honey in this offering. And it is an oblation. Notice what it says of first fruits. Everybody say first fruits that you shall offer before the Lord and it becomes a sweet smelling savor. So as you read this second chapter, you will see that there's also, you can add salt. Every oblation thou shalt season with salt. And uh, the salt of the covenant of God should not be lacking from any of these offerings. So you had several items that were part of this offering and you could also do the first fruits of green ears of corn dried by the fire even beaten out of full ears and then you put oil on it and frankincense and uh, then some salt to season it now <clears throat> this was the offering that you could share 
with God. And so it was like sitting down. Uh, we used to sing a song. I don't know if uh, you all remember it. Come and dine. The master calleth. Come and dine. You can... What is it? Feast at his table. Where was his table? It was at the altar. People came to the altar and they made, there was a table where they had burnt offerings, peace offerings, sin offerings, trespass offerings, and meal offerings. And so we sing that song, you can feast at his table all the time. And most of us thought in terms of he was the one doing the table. And yet, according to the Old Testament, who spread the table? I did. So all of a sudden, that little story of Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house. Now, what are you going to feed me? And, and this became important. And don't think the Lord doesn't know. As a matter of fact, the song that my wife has sung and wrote and beautiful about the alabaster box, basically at this meal, guess what they had not done? They hadn't even washed his feet. All right? So how were they serving God? As far as they were concerned, he was not an honored guest. He wasn't enough of a guest for them to even provide a basin to wash his feet. And Mary came along and washed his feet with her tears and dried it with her hair. So the idea is how are we what are we, how are we serving God? If I'm supposed to bring a table and you say, well, the first ingredient was fine flour or green corn, the first fruits, and it would have oil and it would have frankincense and salt, but no leaven and no honey. So those were the uh, things that you did. So let's look real quickly. Fine flour. What does fine flour mean? What does it represent? Fine flour represents our humanity. It grows from the ground. It's wheat uh, ground several times, and it's going to be ground and sifted, and ground and sifted, and ground and sifted, and ground and sifted. I don't like to be ground and sifted. Huh? Am I going to provide the Lord with a wonderful meal? When I am able to come through the grinding and the sifting and no longer be coarse and rough and come and say, Lord, I want your presence. Oh, that means that I've gone through some testing, some tribulation, some sorrows. Nobody in here, but I've actually heard people say, this just grinds me up. What should I say? Well, this is getting you ready for a great meal for the Lord. 
If I'm allowed, if once I've been ground and ground and ground, I will come into the fire of his presence and say, Lord, anoint me with your oil. Put a little frankincense on me. Put some salt on me. I want to just worship you. Hallelujah. Isaiah talked about the Lord and said he was a tender plant. That means that he was green, uh, the first fruits, and that he didn't have any form or comeliness, and he had no beauty to look on, and he was despised. Everybody likes being despised, rejected. Oh, we all like that. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid our faces from him. He was despised, esteemed him not. He hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. What are you saying? You have to be willing to say, Lord, grind me. Get some of my humanity. Get the rough edges off. What are you doing? I'm getting ready to present the Lord a good meal. Luke, the 22nd chapter. You remember what Jesus told Simon? When he kind of got to feeling a little big for his britches? What did he tell him? When he was willing to say, Lord, you're not going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to tell you the way it is. I'm not going to do this, and I don't want to do that, and I don't think you have to do this. And it doesn't matter what somebody, I'm telling you, you don't need to do that. The Lord doesn't want, that's not of God's will. What did he have to tell Simon? Another time he said, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you like wheat. But when you get all the bad lumps out and you're converted, then you know what I want you to do? Strengthen somebody else. You're going through it, and I, you all know. I, you've heard me say, and to see various ones. Brother Tim Galoni is here tonight, and others, Brother Bill, and others that have been, go, you go through it, and you, we know what they're going through, Brother Reagan, and you feel like they're being sifted, and they're getting up. But when they can come in and raise their hands and praise the Lord, and no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to have a praise on my heart. Guess what? It becomes food for God. Food for those of us around? Huh? Man, if they can do it, if they can praise him, and we can go through and look at numerous others, from Brother Phillips to Steve Wickline to you name it, go up and down. Brother Tracy, when you see the sifting and yet they are willing to be fine flour, Simon Peter called it like this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than gold that perish, so it be tried in the fire, might be found unto what? To praise and to honor and to glory at the appearing of the Lord, though it be tried with fire, even though you haven't seen him, you keep praising him. You keep worshiping him. Why? Because 
when you're going through something, when I'm going through, when I am suffering, I am suffering. It is the definition of self-centeredness. Huh? I want somebody to wait on me. I want you to go get me, you know, ring the bell. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. I need you to get me a glass of water. Ring, 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 ring. I rang this bell three times already. Where have you been? I know y'all aren't that way. I'm just telling you, for me, when I suffer, it's all about me. I don't have that. Huh? If I've been done wrong, if I've had my feelings hurt, if I feel betrayed, used, abused, misunderstood, who is it about? Me. And so that's why if you are able to remember in the midst of your suffering, I want to praise him. I want to give him glory. I want to get it off of me and say, Lord, oh, I know you know where I am. I love you. I want to just take a moment and praise you. It's amazing what it will do to your disposition. Huh? Okay, y'all have never had that issue, so we'll go on. Something else. That's the fine flower. Not only does it stop self-centeredness, but you know, Jesus in the midst of his suffering was worried about somebody else. You talk about fine flower. Remember when they came to him in the garden and they said, he said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And you know what he said? I am he. And they go, boom, fall down to the ground. Jesus could have said, hey, let's leave. I done knocked them all down. He waited for them to get up and brush themselves off. <clears throat> and you know what he did? He asked them again, whom do you seek? And, you know, you'd have thought they were smarter and would have learned quicker. But what did they say? Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, what did he say about his disciples? Let them go. Now that, now, Jesus, you know you're fixing to go through the trial of your life. Don't you want everybody going with you? Don't you want to make sure they all know what you're suffering? It's normal. I know I was there, Brother Larry. We tried to stay. He wanted somebody there all the time. That's normal, folks. I can't feel like I can do for myself. I'm not sure the nurses will be there. I want somebody that I love to be with me. Huh? 
That's a normal human reaction. But can you imagine if you could grind that out to where you say, not about me. Where Jesus looked at him and said, hey, let these go. <clears throat> Later on, he's on the cross. He's gone through the beatings. He's gone through the crown of thorns. He's carried the cross. He's had the rope. He's had them laugh at him, smite him, strike him. By now, you ought to be thoroughly surly and mad. And what does he do while on the cross? Looks down at Mary and says, Hey, Mary, look at your son. And then he turns to his disciples and he said, Woman, he didn't call her mother. Didn't say Mother Mary, but he just said, Woman, behold thy son. And he said, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, John took her into his home. What are you saying? He was trying to do his best to care for his mother, that human relationship, even though, of course, uh, he was not giving her honor above, but he was even in his most uh, horrible time of suffering. Oil, another aspect of of the sacrifice, not only the fine grinding of the power of the flour, but the oil, which is representative of the spirit being poured out on the flour. The humanity is our is the flour, the oil is the spirit, and they were mingled together. In other words, they came together, couldn't be separated, but yet they were distinct. You had flour and you had oil. Couldn't separate them after they became one, but yet they were different. That's why and when you look at Jesus as the God-man, there were times that he acted like flour, like humanity. He got thirsty. He got hungry, et cetera, et cetera. But yet he was God. He could walk on water. He didn't have to have any of that. But he had the humanity with the Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? And yet the Bible is very clear in Matthew that he was a child born of the Holy Ghost. And later on in Matthew, when he was uh, baptized, the Spirit of God descended on him again like a dove. And why do you say he needed that? Because he already was born of the Holy Ghost, yet he needed the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And in Psalms, the 92nd chapter, it says, my, my horn shall be exalted like the horn of the unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I want to tell you something. If you're going to be a good offering unto the Lord, you're going to have to stay anointed a whole lot and be ground to have the flower ground a whole lot. Amen? Not only that, but frankincense. Frankincense represents worship. It's a sweet and woody uh, smell. It's uh, an earthy scent. It is something that pointed to the resurrection. And Jesus was constantly pointing to the re resurrection when he was going through things. You will notice in, in Matthew, and you can read the 23rd chapter, and, and you would read the whole chapter. He is attacking the scribes and Pharisees. He gets down to uh, verse uh, uh, 34, 
let me see, there it is, uh, 34 and 35, and he says unto the prophets and wise men, he says, you all are going to kill and crucify. Now, the Jews were not allowed to crucify anybody. So who is the only one that they crucified? It was Jesus. Romans had to crucify. How did the Jews punish people? A rock party, that's right. They went and stoned you to death. If they got permission to kill you, it was stoning. They didn't crucify people. And so that's why sometimes, you know, he basically said, the Jews, you're going to crucify and you're going to be scourged, and you're going to persecute, and all this righteous blood is going to cry out against you. The blood of Zacharias, the blood of Abel, and, and the, all of those that you have slain over the years, you're, though, that blood is going to cry out. And then in John, the second chapter, he again said, uh, when he was taking a whip, and uh, going through the temple, saying, my house shall be called a house of prayer. The Bible says that his disciples said, the zeal of his house has eaten me up. They were quoting from Psalm 69, where it was talking about how that they gave me gall for meat and vinegar to drink, and they, they have, uh, for their sake I bore my shame, and I was like an alien, and all of these things. That's all in Psalm 69. So what he was doing was pointing to the resurrection. You know what? One of these days, it's going to be over. One of these days, there's going to be a resurrection. I may be going through it now, but I'm still looking for the resurrection. I'm looking for the end of this. I'm looking for the resolution of it all. I may not understand it now, but as the old song said, I'll understand it better. You say, well, why do you keep looking to the future? Because that's where my hope is. That's the frankincense. Everything you're going through has got to be anointed with frankincense and oil. You understand? Everything that's grinding you up. You have to be able to say, yep, boy, that was grinding me up, but let me put a little oil in it. Let me put a little frankincense. Let me remember, Lord, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. You said you'd make a way. I don't know if that way is going to be the grave, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to make a way. The last uh, item that you, they, you added was salt, salt of the covenant. Salt is a preservative. It kills germs. It stops rotting. Makes things taste good. Some people add salt before they even taste it. You understand? It's like salt it. Doesn't matter. Who made it? They salt it first. What is that like? That is like recognizing there's going to be death to a few things in me in order for me to be the kind of offering I need to be. Some germs need to be eradicated. Huh? I got to put a little salt on me. And I know it'll help keep you in balance. When you think everything, the Bible says, take heed, he that thinks 
Everything's going great. Think you're going to stand? What should you do? Realize I've got to be careful when everything's going good. <laughs> huh? Say, oh, pastor, you're a Debbie Downer. And I guess I am because that's the way Jesus was. You remember the triumphant entry into Jerusalem? They're cutting off palm branches, yelling, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord! And what does Jesus respond to them? Yes, that's right. I am the one that is coming in the name of the Lord. I'm so glad you recognize who I am. Huh? Is that how he responded? Here's what he said. The hour is come. The Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, will you Debbie Downer? We're praising you as king, glorifying you. Then he goes on to say, he that loves his life shall lose it. And he that... <laughs> Hates his life in this world. <clears> T.D. <throat> Jakes many years ago wrote a little book off of a sermon that he preached and I think the title of it was something like you can't stand being blessed. Some, some people can't stand being blessed because they get blessed and they forget God. Huh? Everything's going so good. They got all, all everything... You know, the world by the tail. They don't need God. They don't. Oh, Lord. John, the seventh chapter. He said, my time is already come. Yours is yet to come. If any man will do his will, he shall be known. I guess the last element would be all of that was touched by fire. And... Um, We'll stop there. It's 8 o'clock. Next week I'll try to finish up this and try to finish up the other three because they're not very long because we've covered most of the elements. But, oh, Lord, help me to offer a good sacrifice to the Lord. I'll bring an offering to the Lord. Amen? Lord, I, you know, something's grinding me up. Something's impacting me. I want to just step back and say I want to be seasoned with some salt. I want to have some frankincense. I want to have some oil. Let's stand. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. Appreciate all of you being here. We'll finish up and finish the other offerings next week. And uh, we're going to cook the Lord a good meal. Amen? It's easy to feel like, you know, He's the one that's supposed to be preparing the feast. Kind of is important at times for me to realize what feast am I preparing for him? Am I coming in coarse ground, frustrated, angry? 
Or am I going to be willing to say, Lord, anoint me with your oil. Touch me, Lord. I want to go through the fire. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands. Thank you.